You're listening to The Wilder Podcast. Season 2, Episode 4, with Carson Dupree. Hi everybody, it's me and I have some really, really, really good news. And the news is, this is not a solo episode. Yes! Even though I know for a fact that a lot of you have um, enjoyed the the solo episodes, um, but I'm shaking my head right now because I don't love doing the solo episodes. Um, Well, that's not true. I do love it, but I also love even more speaking with other people. Um, And that's kind of what you're here for, even though I know you stay for me. Anyway, um... Just off the top of my head, Mom, if you're listening, this episode's going to talk about sex, but not more than we've ever talked about one-on-one, I don't think. Um, But yeah, so this episode is with Jess Hilsey, aka at Keep Breathing Mama on Instagram. And I don't really even know how I found her. It was like she messaged me about something. Um something really sweet once upon a time. And I went to her profile and I remember seeing how gorgeous she was and how gorgeous her baby was and how adorable her family was. And, um, it was, I would say it was like two years ago, but I don't know if I followed her straight away, but I knew who she was and we would message sometimes. And then she came to Nashville last year when I was pregnant and I was living with my sister-in-law Stacy and, she had dinner at Stacy's house, but I want to say that Colin and I were both working or something and we missed them. I think that's what happened. Um, but anyway, so yeah, never really gotten to see her in person, which is such a bummer, but we almost met and we've kept up on the internet and I really love her parenting style. Um, she's really vocal about her, um, personal opinions and practices. And I love the way she speaks on, everything. And I really recommend that you follow her. She's really open and she will respond to your messages. Most of them, I'm sure, maybe not all of them. So I'll give you that, Jess. If you don't respond to all of them, totally fine. Don't feel pressured. But I think she probably will because she's just awesome. Anyway, um, she's got a lot of great insight. And in this episode, we talk about her birth trauma, uh, with her firstborn, And then we talk about her second birth briefly. And we also talk about sex after giving birth and our own personal experiences with that. Um, and it's basically just two friends chatting, which is kind of my favorite type of episode to do. It's not very interviewee, but we do learn a little bit about Jess and, um, I don't know how you can't like her. Like I just listened again to this episode and she's so likable and so sweet and um, so well-spoken and just delicious. I love her. I think I'm in love. Oh, I'm just kidding. That's what it sounded like. So I just went with it. Um, But yeah, so I don't really have a ton of announcements over yonder, over here besides, oh, my Moody Moons account, aka my art account. It sounds weird saying it out loud. Moody Moons. Moody Moons. Uh, yeah, my art account, Moody Moons, is still up and running. I just received a giant print because I was shopping around for some print services um, that I would be doing on my own rather than going through a service like Society6 or Redbubble um, and just directly shipping stuff to you guys uh, from my website. And I'm still deciding if that's something I want to do. 
you can let me know um, in the comments on this post or you can message me because I would love I would love to know um, what makes more sense to you. I feel like price-wise, I could probably do fair pricing and also still make money from it if you know, whereas with Society6 or something, like I know that you only make kind of a percentage, but you don't have to do any of the work, which is cool. Um, anyway, I've been having a lot of fun and I really, really, really love you guys for supporting me and supporting this type of endeavor. And it's not necessarily a business endeavor in any way. It's mainly just a passion project of mine. And if I do end up making some passive income, that would always be great because any type of income helps support the podcast because this is something that I do for free and I love doing it. I know the print shop is something that I want to do because I've gotten a lot of messages about it. And even if I were able to get some of my prints into the houses of like five to 10 people, that would be so, so, so fun. Um, and so just stay tuned for that. Another announcement I just remembered is that I changed my dun, 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 Instagram handle. Yeah, I did. I changed it from Wildernessa, which it's been that for two years to just back to my name at Carson K. Dupree. Um, long story short, I couldn't choose at Carson Dupree because I had an old account that I made as a placeholder for my name, my Carson Dupree name, whenever I changed my account to Wildernessa because my account was originally Carson du at Carson Dupree changed it to at Wildernessa. And then I moved the at Carson Dupree to just an empty account. Um, and then I deleted that account because I was like, that's stupid. I'm just going to delete this because I'm going to move my name back. I want to change my name back. And so when I went to change my name back, it was like, if you delete an account with a name, that name is deleted forever. And so that name is deleted forever. I've reached out to Instagram, but there's no way I can really resolve the issue. So I'm Carson K Dupree add the K and that's my middle name anyway. So it's fine. But, uh, if you were wondering like, why is there a K in there? It's because unless you work at Instagram, maybe you can help me. It's because I can't get my name back. It doesn't exist anymore. Nobody has it. I deleted it. It's gone. Anyway, I should have just like, you can like disable an account without deleting it. And I should have done that, but I didn't know you could do that. And maybe you couldn't back then. I don't remember. That was two years ago. Anyway. So yeah, I did that just because Wildernessa the origin behind the name Wildernessa came from my husband and I wanting to pursue a musical project and more of like a couple's like lifestyle blog situation. And we were like, oh, this will be great. This makes sense for us. And then it just, once I got pregnant um, and I graduated from my integrative health school, I just like didn't make sense for me. It really didn't make sense for me to be Wildernessa because I have way too many varying interests and it just kind of takes away from the whole musical thing. And I know that for you, it may be a huge adjustment. Like at this point, it doesn't make any sense for you to be like not Wildernessa or Wildernessa to be music. But the deal is Wildernessa has always been music. It's been on Spotify. It's been on Apple Music. It's been on iTunes. It's everywhere. It's been accessible. But I've also had this Instagram that you think this mommy blogger, vegan lady is Wildernessa. And I am, I guess, but not really. So I'm just Carson K. Dupree. <laughs> and I do art. I do a podcast. I have a baby. I also make music. And it just makes more sense to have a name that is just me so that I don't have to like put a label on it. Um, but if you're interested in following our musical endeavors, you can just go to at Wildernessa Music. And Wildernessa is spelled out because that's the way it's spelled. It has an I, W-I-L-D-E-R-N-E-S-S-A-M-U-S-I-C. 
Awesome. Okay. Those are the announcements from me. I can't think of anything else. I do have two more people coming on the podcast this week that I'm going to record and get them out in the next couple of weeks, but I hope you guys had a great weekend. You're going to have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Uh, my name is Jess Hilsey. Um, and I am a mom on social media. I spend my days mothering two little girls. I have a two and a half year old and a four month old. Um, I'm an esthetician and we live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is actually really cool. Um, it didn't used to be cool, but it's gotten very cool over the last couple of years. People kind of refer to it as a mini Portland, Oregon. So that's kind really? of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I know anything about Grand Rapids. I do have a friend that is from Michigan, but I've never, whatever, wherever she lived doesn't stick. So I don't think that's sure. where it was. But if it were, then I hope she's listening so that you guys can connect to your friends. But well, Detroit <laughs> is kind of the bigger city in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Detroit, the Detroit metro area is kind of big too. But anyway, yeah. How far are you guys from Detroit? We're two hours outside of Detroit. Oh, okay. Okay, well, uh, for those of you that are listening that do not follow Jess, um, her name is Keep Breathing Mama on Instagram. And I was actually going to ask, where did that name come from? If it came from a space, like a specific place? Yeah, it came from birth trauma after I had my first daughter. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, it was something I had to tell myself every single day after a very, very traumatic birth. I was in labor for 55 hours and, um, you know, really it kind of came from that place of me just being so depressed. I suffered from PTSD, birth trauma, um, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, everything you can think of. I basically had, and I just had to keep my, I had to tell myself to just keep breathing every single day. Oh my goodness. That's so... That's, I mean, we can jump into that now. I feel like we can't really talk about like that's post, a good segue, po- postpartum, <laughs> postpartum sex or any type of healing or anything if Absolutely. we don't like address your first two births, your first two. I mean, sure. assuming you might My have more, two. <laughs> your two births that you've done, Marguerite yeah. and then Magnolia. Um, and then everybody's kind of familiar with Phoenix and my birth. So yeah, tell us about like kind of what that journey was like for you. And sure. uh, yeah, feel free. So I had um, midwifery care with my first pregnancy, and um, although it was very different than my second pregnancy, that is what I wanted for my first birth. I wanted a home birth, and I had all of my intentions set on that, and I went into labor, um, and I was in labor for a very long time, for 55 hours, and nothing was really progressing. Um, I never made it past a six of, to, of dilation. And at that point, my midwife, you know, had already broken my waters. It had been 24 hours since then. It was kind of like, okay, we have to call this. Nothing's happening. So we went to a local hospital, um, the biggest hospital in Grand Rapids, um, who's actually known for some pretty good results. And it was sort of found out or it, it happened. I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I walked in and they told me that I was um, hep C positive and that I also had um, AIDS, basically. What? So, yeah, yeah, that I was diagnosed. My, my blood work, they took my blood work, long story short. So I get to the hospital without making this into like a huge story, because I don't want that to be about my birth story. But, um, 
we got to the hospital and they were like, hey, so every every member of your family needs to step out of this room, including your partner. So Matt was, of course, like, well, what's happening? And they wouldn't say anything while he was in the room. So they um, asked all of my family to leave, asked my midwife to leave. And six doctors in white coats surrounded me and told me that um, I tested positive for hep C and HIV. So I was, of course, like, you know, you have the wrong person. What are you talking about? And they insisted that they were right. And there was only a 2% chance that they were wrong. Well, okay, it was the 2% chance they were wrong. Turns out they actually somehow got my blood work wrong. Um, They had switched it with another person in the hospital. But that was after I had my C-section because that's sort of routine procedure as if somebody were to show up at the hospital and they were in labor and they'd been trying to have a birth for the last two and a half days and nothing was progressing. They would just say, Hey, you have HIV anyway, and you have hep C anyway, your baby cannot be born vaginally. We need to do an emergency Mm C-section. So I was whisked away and, um, I had my C-section, which was very traumatic. The doctors were all standing around me talking about, you know, their lunches, how their day was going. It was like I wasn't even in the room. And it was one of the most painful experiences I can recall. And it really established a sort of from the start resentment against my daughter, because obviously had I not it had not been for her, I wouldn't be in that situation. Mm-hmm. So you know, fast forward from there, um, we get to my recovery room because all of that's a blur. The rest I cannot remember. And they take the breast pump out of my room and tell me that I'm not allowed to breastfeed my daughter, my newborn daughter. And I said, that's not acceptable. I would like to talk to somebody. I ended up talking with somebody about it and they said, here's what you can do. You can pump in the hospital. We'll give you a pump again. And, um, you cannot feed your daughter until we get some different results on your blood work. Well, everything they were doing, all these quick tests that they were taking kept coming back negative, 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 negative. I was like, I don't have any more blood left for you to take because they just kept coming and they're like, well, let's run this blood work again. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to drain me. What are you doing? So (laughs) I can laugh about it, which is good. It's healthy. Um, but Every test they were com- they were taking just kept coming back negative, negative, negative. And um, finally, you know, somebody w- would listen to me and give me a breast pump so that I could start pumping for my daughter. But I wasn't allowed to give her my pump mil- milk. I had to store it. I snuck donor breast milk into the hospital via my midwife mm. and was feeding my baby with donor breast milk for the first well, day and a half of her life until we were discharged to go. They were trying to keep me at the hospital for longer to like run a bunch of tests on me like a lab rat, but I left, I got out of there (laughs) and, um, I had to sort of start motherhood in this very dark, dark space. I resented my daughter. I had a lot of postpartum problems. It caused, um, I don't know if I could call it exactly an eating disorder, but I binged eat to try to, you know, feel better about what was going on. I ended up gaining a lot of weight combined with nursing. It was very unhealthy, but, um, you know, looking back, I can sort of call it what it is and say that I do think that it sort of jump started some kind of unhealthy habit with eating just because, 
you know, there was so much trauma that had happened and that I had endured and I had nowhere to, I couldn't put it in a healthy space yet. Mm -hmm. So I was just in the trenches. Yeah. And uh, so you were saying that they were diagnosing you. Did they ever like officially like take back their word? Oh, yeah, they did. So I got, they said, if you receive a letter in the mail in two weeks stating that, you know, you have this, then you do. And if you don't receive any letter, then you don't. I said, that's not okay. I need to receive a letter either way. Yeah. So, um, they did send me a letter two weeks later after it got sent out to a lab in who knows where Colorado or somewhere. And then they sent it back to me and they were like, we're so sorry. It was (sighs) completely on us. It was our mistake entirely. Oh my goodness. I'm, but that was my start to motherhood. Yeah. That sounds insane. And like, I mean, it's already so, so difficult. I can't imagine having that traumatic experience on top of it, especially if you were, especially if you were trying to go for like the polar of like the home birth situation. The polar opposite of that. Yeah. Because I knew, you know, I knew that things could happen in hospital settings that not to say that it happens every day, but I had educated myself. I was the most educated person going into birth, not comparing myself to other people, but the most educated version of myself Mm -hmm. I could have been in going into that. So I knew these things and they still happened. Yeah. That's they were completely out of my control. I feel like that may have made it, that could have made it even scarier. I mean, I would have made it for me if like you already have that knowledge and you have those scenarios in your brain and you know, Mm -hmm. you know what that can mean. Ugh, it's terrible. So what was your recovery like? Besides Um, my recovery from a C-section was actually quite simple. I hear these nightmare stories Mm -hmm. of people who have had C-sections, mothers who have had C-sections and they're pretty, some of them are pretty gnarly. You know, I never Mm -hmm. had an infection. I never, I have a friend here in Michigan um, who she ended up going septic and she had to go back to the hospital. So there are those stories you hear of. Um, Fortunately, I had a perfect flawless recovery. I was, I drove myself home from the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anybody to try that, but yes, I did. Um, My partner doesn't drive. So um, I drove myself home from the hospital and was out and about three days later, resuming regular life, going to my local health food store and, you know, buying organic produce after I had a C-section. So I had to get, I had to up my greens intake because they took so much of my blood. So I was like, "I, I know what to do. They were trying to give me not to say that you shouldn't take a transfusion if they're saying you need one, but they were like, we could do one. And I was like, I'll just go home and eat my greens. Thank yeah. you. I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, I know that everybody's story is different, but like everybody's story Absolutely. different. Like mine's Absolutely. way different than yours. So it's like, if anybody's out right. there like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like, just, just know that we're two moms talking about our own experiences. Okay. So whatever. Absolutely. But yeah. And uh, if somebody did need a transfusion, then that would be different. But they were basically telling me we could do this. And I was like, well, let's not. Yeah. Well, um, so your recovery, I think we should, should, we should cover your Magnolia's birth. I feel like before we talk about the sex stuff in its own space. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, your story with Magnolia, how long did you guys wait before she was conceived? Well, after, so after my C-section with Marguerite, Things were, you know, like when you're just in such a space Mm -hmm. of depression and anxiety, 
you don't really want to be intimate. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not really the first thing on your list. I was very or the hyper last thing. <laughs> No, I know. I was very hyper aware of it though. I, I was. I told myself every day, like, okay, Jess, you know, today's the today's the day. Like you you gotta do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And I was so wanting to, in a way, just because I knew that it probably would make things better. It would make my relationship better. But um, I really just didn't want to go. I I didn't have it in me. I didn't want to go there for a long time. So after I had Marguerite, I ended up, by the way, very successfully breastfeeding my first daughter for 26 months until she self-weaned. Amazing. I was pregnant at the time. And um, I, I gave birth again to, um, well, I gave birth again to Magnolia in March. So she weaned in December. I gave birth in March. So I had about a three month break from nursing and, um, I had a very different birth story with Magnolia. I went in knowing sort of my own body and I had figured out from, you know, the time of my first birth to my second birth that my body has a really tough time dilating naturally on its own and come to find out my mom was like, Oh yeah, that was me too. And I spoke with my grandma about it, my mother's mother. And she's like, Oh wow, that was me as well. So it's sort of, there is something to be said about like maternal genetics and kind of where you're coming from. And if your mother had maybe had something, not saying that's the case for everybody, but for us personally, it's almost like our body doesn't produce a certain chemical or hormone while in labor to tell our cervix to dilate. So I knew this going in and I knew that I wanted to do something about it. I found the best VBAC doctor I could have found in the greater Grand Rapids area. I was actually driving an hour and a half outside of Grand Rapids for every visit. Think about doing that with a, you know, 19, 20, 21 month old, by the way. Mm. And, um, she was incredible. She said, you have a great, a great chance at a VBAC and I would love for you to do this. And you know, once your physician says that you're good to go, you get into the space like, I'm okay. Nothing's going to go wrong. I will be fine. Mm-hmm. And I went into it with that mindset. I had, um, without getting into like total specifics, I had something called a folly bulb, which basically they, inf- they fill it with a saline solution. They stick it up there. And once it sort of inflates, it pops. And then you're dilated past a three usually. Well, once my body got the memo, like, you need to do this, I, I, it, it worked. Everything worked. So my cervix dilated. Um, my baby was born. Everything was amazing. I had an amazing nurse named Mickey. If she ever listens to this, I don't know how she was. But if she ever does, <laughs> Mickey, Mickey, you're amazing. She was like one of those one of those people who's like your grandma or your mom who just makes you feel so comfortable. And she did some laboring down techniques with a peanut ball because I, I chose to get an epidural and she was just an incredible person who really helped me have my VBAC that I really wanted. That's amazing. So I had an amazing second birth and there are things that I could pick apart and say, Oh, well this could have been different or this could have been changed or I could have done this better. or They could have done this better. But at the end of the day, we can't be like so hypercritical of how things went or, you know, how they didn't go because everything's just kind of going to roll on and, you know, years pass by truly because it seems like a distant memory like years ago that this was happening with my eldest daughter. And I'm, I can honestly say that I've healed from it and I'm, I'm over it. Wow. It's so amazing. And I remember seeing you, uh, on 
Instagram, like just, I don't even know, right? As soon as you got back, just you looked and you sounded and you were acting like you felt so good and it was just so beautiful to see a mother of two and Magnolia was so, so cute. I just died, yeah. I died over that. Um, but how did, yeah, did, how did, um, since you've had both births and I know they're all different, but how did yeah. the healing? Cause I know that, um, vaginally it's still all of those hormones and all everything still affects the way your pelvic floor, you know, functions after like any postpartum journey. But do you feel like there was any difference between your C-section recovery and vaginal birth recovery? Or do you feel like they were both just kind of different? You know, truth be told, my vaginal recovery was actually harder for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's opposite for a lot of moms who have had um, C-sections. They say that, you know, they were on the couch for a week and they couldn't move. I was up and going around at three days postpartum, really two, but I was really on my feet by like three days postpartum. And um, my, I don't know if you can hear this, there's an airplane going overhead. It's I hope okay. not. But um I feel like with my vaginal birth, it was like I was hobbling around trying to hold on to my vagina for a good week, week and a half, because it felt like my vagina was just crawling out into the world to say hello. Like, hello, here I am, you know? Uh, yeah, no, and I know that inside out, like bludgeon yeah, feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. And so that was definitely harder. I would say pelvic floor, that was a little tougher with my vaginal birth versus my cesarean birth too. Oh, I just totally like, I didn't have any type Step of like, back. yeah, I didn't have any type <laughs> of like perennial tearing or anything in my actual, sure. like going number two wasn't as terrible as I thought it would be, but that just sure. like bludgeon, like bowling mm -hmm. ball falling the out of your ball. ass. Yes. Yes. It's just the worst that like, you guys, it's just the weirdest way to describe it. But like, that's just what it feels it, like. It truly like, and I had a friend sort of describe it to me as your vagina is crawling out of itself that's and trying to way. greet the world. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. It's like the, <sighs> the actual insides are just sort of billowing out to say hello. <laughs> it is it's such a billowing. Uh, I don't want anybody that hasn't given birth to be scarred. Just prepared. Just like it might feel this way for you. It might, it not, might. but it probably from will. most people I've talked to, that's how it feels. But you know, it's a good thing because your body is actually designed for that. Like yeah. it, it will feel that way, but it does get better very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, you just do a lot of sitting around for yeah. a bit <laughs> I had to sit on it there yeah great. oh god yeah. I had to sit on my boppy just because I had weird tailbone pain postpartum absolutely and yeah. uh, everything's just kind of shifting back and like I should have probably gone to a chiropractor whatever I know you guys are gonna sure. tell me I should have done that but I didn't <laughs> because I was too wrapped up in my life and I don't have a chiropractor here but anyway yeah, yeah I just needed a good crack in like a good like adjustment it probably would have been better but the, my my midwife told me that like there's so much relaxing still flooding your system that it will probably shift right back everything so loosey-goosey still yeah absolutely yeah. well so postpartum sex stuff I've kind of talked about it a little bit yeah um, but it's something that nobody really talks about other than like oh you're gonna have a baby on your boob and you're not gonna wanna, right right you're not gonna want to do anything or whatever right. but like guys there is girls it's people, real yeah. it's real 
And I'm sure it's different for everyone. Like one of my sisters-in-law, and I'm not gonna not gonna name her, but they, she was just talking about how like within the first week she felt fine and was having sex with her spouse. Oh wow! And I was just kind of like freaking out because I was like, "Don't you dare put a baby in there!" <laughs> you just yeah, had a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are reasons no, that to wait. That definitely was not me after either of my births, and it, yeah, no, no. Like for me, even like. So if you guys don't know, typically you're given like a six week time frame where it's mm-hmm. like you need to wait for a variety of reasons. Number yeah, one, a lot of it, truth be told, is pelvic floor. So even if you don't tear your pelvic floor and your pelvis needs time to and your uterus needs time to shrink and recover. Yeah. And you don't yeah. like you don't need to be getting any spermies back up in there either. Yeah. Like you don't need to <laughs> be getting pregnant again. I mean, you can, but it's really hard on your body. Like. It's, it really is. Um, so, and yeah, everything is going back to normal. Like imagine your pelvic floor has been holding up a child in your body mm-hmm. for almost a year and it just pushed it on through. It's out now and it does have to heal, like you said. And um, anyway, at the, the six week mark, that's also around the time that your milk supply starts, you know, we're kind of regulating and yeah. things are just, things are pumping, pumping, pumping towards this baby and they're not necessarily... Pumping towards your spouse yeah. or significant other. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but as I, I can't imagine with another baby running around. But yeah, for us, it was like the six week period was just like, uh, no. And then yeah. Uh, yeah. eight weeks rolled around. I mean, there are ways. I feel like if we're going to be like sex positive and just like sure. totally discuss this type of thing there are ways to be intimate with your partner without like having like, penetrative sex i totally 100%. understand and we yeah. we 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 did you know that kind of stuff for sure and it's all about connecting and um i still though like i will be honest and he knows because we've talked but it's just like even with that kind of stuff it was more of like a to-do list type of like oh my god i have to like be here for you like i have to right. you know and like i'd never felt pressured i don't want anybody being like you don't have to do that stuff like i know i don't have to do it right. but like i want to be there and i want to i want this relationship and i want it to be fed and um, i think it is harder like if i can interrupt you i yeah. think it is harder with the first baby truth be told because it's such an adjustment all of a sudden you have all this time and really in terms of sexuality you have all this time for foreplay and for you know getting in yeah. the zone and just being in this different headspace and then all of a sudden you're thrown into these different roles right you are a mother and you're a father and especially with your upbringing that can bring out some some interesting stuff but i will say this it's harder because you've never had to really do that before whereas your second child you already know how to compartmentalize you know okay turn off mother turn on like sex vixen okay turn off father okay turn on this and so it's easier i think in a way you have less time i will say with when you have more children but it's easier because you know how to already switch that on and off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate any type of insight because it was so hard. It was very hard yeah. for me. And yes, and that does make me feel comforted. I, I feel like we've just arrived in a space where I am like, I'm feeling it. I, well, my body, I just, I was kind of disconnected from my physicality i will say and like sure. um, when i was pregnant though y'all i should that's a really weird excuse because when i mm. was pregnant mm. i was one of the people 
that sex felt I amazing. To have sex all yeah. the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my boobs were so sensitive in a good way and like yep. and like everything. There's so much blood flow and I I wasn't like I necessarily felt attractive at all. Like that's not even where my brain was. It was just no, like scouts was <laughs> I was the same way. Yeah. Sex was amazing. And so um, we did it also every day to induce. Honestly, I was like, please because I went two weeks over, out yeah, get, yeah, get him yeah. out. So like from 37 weeks on, I literally we had sex every. I would say every day. Maybe like we didn't like twice. It was like a thing to do, and I enjoyed it. It wasn't like a no no. It wasn't like might as well soak it up while you can. <laughs> I know, and I tried to literally soak it up because all of the <laughs> <laughs> because all of the chemicals, yeah, all to the get chemicals the baby out. that release all the hormones in your cervix and soften it. Anyway, yeah. Uh, if you didn't know out there, sperm can soften your cervix. Uh, that's it's believed to do that. Yeah, anyway. it's called the um, what is it called again? It's a it's a chemical in the sperm. Is it the no? That's pineapple. I was gonna say the bromelain or whatever. Oh yeah, no, but, it's pineapple. Yeah, <laughs> nah, girl, that's pineapple. I'm not shoving pineapples up there. <laughs> Just not gonna happen. But uh, <laughs> no, so yeah, sex. When, what I was saying is, like, my body image postpartum, I just didn't feel like nothing was, like, tight. Like, when you're like when you're pregnant, nothing's, like, sure. super loose. But, like, at postpartum, it's, like, nothing but, you know, crepey, loose, like, weird, no support. I didn't feel – I just didn't feel like myself. And, like, I'm not saying that yeah. – I'm not saying that if you're not tight and buff, you can't feel sexy at all. No, it's a different – it's a di- different feeling to get used to and embrace yeah. and by the way we're not just talking about vaginas and vulvas it's your entire body no i'm talking about my body you're right I, yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> my vagina is like if anything it was like too tight it was like i couldn't Mine relax too. yeah yes yeah mm. and i think that that's more common than than the la- than the other way around yeah i like, will say lucy loose i so recently we've been because we've been chatting and then you guys we have good news we both had positive sex sexual Successful experiences sex. which yeah. is amazing in the past like few weeks so with me like I kind of had to be and I hate having to go there in my brain like kind of check in and be like okay this is what you need to do but I I ended up doing that and uh, to tell myself to to, like relax and like to breathe and I know you don't drink because you're like intolerant to alcohol and I was drinking at the beginning and that was like the only way I could honestly like it felt almost like I was taking like a like a muscle relaxer, Med- it would, like yeah. a medicinal shot of, yes. of yeah. just like a drink, <laughs> yeah. like one drink, and I, I would feel better. Medicinally. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, now I'm not though, because I'm not drinking right now, because I just was, I just don't feel great when I'm drinking. It's just an, another thing. I just my body doesn't feel good. I don't feel like I sleep well. All these things. And when I'm drinking, in quotes, I mean like a drink or two a few times a week, and I'm just not doing sure. that right now. But right. um, yeah. So, but I was able to have successful awesome sex without drinking or doing anything and just breathing and just like kind of telling myself to relax and honestly it is about positioning because I did tear internally so I tore up towards my cervix and there's a little tugging if we're in weird positions sure absolutely yeah um and there's also say that that's really common yeah did you tear it off yeah I did I had a second degree, so it wasn't terrible. It was just skin. So second degree is a little bit of skin and some muscle, mm-hmm. usually skin and some muscle. And I had that. And my healing experience for my VBAC was very interesting because I healed too well. So I had to go back in and they had to like cut a stitch out basically have, like, and then re-stitch me. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. I wonder, like, yeah, I wonder if with me it's kind of, 
I did get stitched. I had a second degree. They told me on hand that it was a third, and I was, like, mm-hmm. freaking out. But they ended up, like, double-backing and being like, no, you had a second. So, yeah, I did have stitches. And maybe it's a scar tissue thing. I know that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's so much better now, but there's sometimes a little bit of tugging. But prior, sure. to, prior to even giving birth, I... I've always had like pain with sex, not pain, but just sure. like not, it's always been really hard for me to relax my pelvic floor. Um, I was going to say it could mm-hmm. be like a relax, like an internal, yeah. uh, an emotional thing I think more it so is. than an actual physical thing. I think it has always been that way for me, except that's so common. Yeah, it really is. You, everyone that's listening, like if you struggle with that, um, maybe if you don't have like an underlying issue like PCOS or endometriosis or fibroids or something, whatever, um, it could always be your either, um, whoever you're with and not feeling comfortable with them or not feeling comfortable sure. in your own body. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, or even just anxiety in general can really lock up your sphincters as much as, much as you don't think about sure. it, like clenching yeah. your jaw, clenching your pelvic floor. Um, all of that is really connected, um, to your mentality. Yeah. And you could try some relaxing techniques beforehand, I would say. And I did have a really great OBGYN who had told me once, if you do feel like that clenching feeling, it can affect every part of your body, including your vagina. So she did tell me full disclosure that you can take two fingers and push them against. So like, this is going to be very graphic, but you no. can push them against your um, vaginal wall, sort of going toward your belly button, okay. and that will relax that muscle. So prior to like penetrative sex or what or whatever, you can okay. do that, and it should relax that muscle. Okay, which I, like I found that. very helpful. I've never yeah. heard of that, um, but honestly, I've never really been super open with it until like pregnancy and postpartum. I honestly just was like, it's just me. I can't. You get very open with yourself after you've given birth. <laughs> Everybody's seen it. Like, I'm just like, everyone sees it. I've had like six people look in there like, and yeah. I feel empowered. I feel great. I feel good about it. Um, and, uh, and I, I'm trying to, honestly, I'm trying to be more like sex positive or even just like, I don't even need to put a label on it, but just like be able to talk about this stuff because it's literally natural and everybody kind of deals with it. Um, absolutely. And it doesn't need to be like a weird, like unladylike or whatever stupid Mm -hmm. shit. Like, you know what I mean? I was thinking about that earlier today, actually. Um, my mom, when she was going through all of this, I'm her last baby. I was born in, uh, 91. So, you know, she had had four kids. So in the eighties and nineties, and she had nobody to talk to about any of this, because Mm -hmm. when I told her that I would be talking about it openly and publicly, she was like, wow. And I feel very thankful that I live in 2018, regardless of what's going on politically, I will say. Uh-huh. But I feel very thankful for being able to openly talk about these things with other mothers and connect with them in this way. Because if we don't have that, I can't imagine the kind of island you'd feel like. Yeah, I mean, I think about that with my mom too. And even just like, if she's listening, because I know she listens to the podcast. I don't know if she would listen to this one. Hi, mom. Um, but uh, <laughs> just, I don't know if you did, but I know that uh, they just didn't have... And in my mom's like case, especially like just didn't have the, the appropriate support for a lot of stuff like lactation, Absolutely. Yeah. like all of it. And, uh, yeah. probably recovery. And you couldn't just go to Google, you no. know, Google doctor wasn't there for you. No. And like thinking about like 
her original stance on like unmedicated birth was really just she was just really like I think baffled by my choices and um just because you know she had never seen the business of being born or whatever and we um we did watch that together which was awesome and I I having given birth I do see the um there are so many different reasons to have epidurals and there are also so many different reasons to have cesareans and uh there are also reasons to have unmedicated births that um don't fall under the just desired just desired yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i want everybody to hear that because um obviously jess I has think had that there a lot are of so many absolutely and i'll say this like there are so many different kinds of births to feel empowered. And ultimately what matters is that you're heard and that you're listened to Mm -hmm. because my cesarean would not have been traumatic if I was heard and I was listened to. Mm -hmm. Yes. It would have been something to, um, mourn the loss of, you know, being able to have a vaginal birth, but there's a difference between mourning a loss and holy shit. I'm traumatized from what I have just endured and been through. Um, and I would say, you know, for me personally, I went into my second birth knowing I was going to have an epidural from the get go. As soon as I could get one, I I really wanted one. I had done 55 hours of natural labor with my daughter and I was not going to go through that again. No, I mean, I, I've talked to my sister-in-law, Jessie, who had, I don't know if you've like connected with her, but she, she, I connect with Jessie all the time. Yeah. Jessie. Hey, Jessie. I know she doesn't listen to this. She doesn't have time, but, um, she's a guy. She she had two, she had two. I wouldn't, I'm not there. I wouldn't say they were traumatic, but I know that they were complicated. They were Uh, very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two births with her first two and they were both ended in cesarean. And then with her third, um, Pascal, she was able to have a VBAC, uh, and I feel like there is not a ton of support for like two cesareans and then a VBAC after that. Um, right. Uh, but anyway, yeah, she had an epidural and it's just a tool. I mean, I feel like it's just wherever it's a mom tool, feels most comfortable, yeah. especially for their body to relax, you know, like for their yeah. body to just progress. Sometimes that, that extra, um, relaxation is beneficial, um, yeah, sometimes it's needed. Yeah. Because had it not been, it was honestly, for my second birth, had it not been for me going in saying, like, I know that I'm going to want an epidural, I, I honestly feel like I could have been stuck again for 55 hours, resulting in a C-section. So yeah. it's all about, like, you personally and not really thinking, like, yes, would I have loved a home birth? 100%. Like, that is one, that is all about, that's what I'm all about. I, yeah. I'm all about, like, natural holistic lifestyle and empowering women and I think that that can be very empowerful empowering but I've also heard of people who have had home births that were traumatic so it's all how you look at things and how you're supported Mm -hmm. I totally agree I my experience was just really intense and really quick so yeah uh it's it's I'm glad that everything shook out the way that it did but we did have plans for oh gosh there's Colin and Phoenix right outside my window waving at me. Um, <laughs> hello. But anyway, okay. All right. So questions. I do have a couple, uh, but we don't, we can just talk about, I guess, our, what our opinion is. I don't really want anybody to take what we're going to say for medical advice. Just Oh, interesting. You know. I know where this is going. Okay. Uh, this one says sex is super hard for me still. Nine months, nine months postpartum physically. Do you have any, do I have any issues? Do you have any recommendations? 
Dun, dun, dun. I feel like we kind of covered some stuff that like works for us. I mean, I haven't, I just was talking about breathing, lubrication. Yeah. Um, communication is huge with your partner. I feel like if you don't feel comfortable with them. She said that it's still super painful. Did she say? Yeah. She said it's really hard for me. So I don't know if that means mentally. I don't know. Sure. That means physically. Um, I would say communication is really big. Um, I would say to even just talk about it with your partner and tell them exactly what you need because I ended up having to do that with my partner because hello communication. Mm -hmm. And, um, once I was able to do that and say, you know, I would like this from you, or I need this from you. I know that it's different than what we've been used to, but when you're postpartum, truth be told, you're in a different space mentally, emotionally, and physically than you have ever been in your entire life. Mm -hmm. And it really takes a while for your body to be yours again and not your babies, especially if you're nursing. So I would say, talk to your partner, tell them exactly what you need. Maybe it's maybe it's verbiage. Like maybe you need your partner to, to give you a bunch of words of affirmation for play, or maybe it's physical. Maybe it's something, um, it's kind of more emotional or mental. Um, maybe it's a, a foot rub beforehand and just to tell them and be open about it because ultimately like they want to make you happy and you want to be happy. So I would say, because I don't know what hard means exactly. Yeah. Um, but I would say that communicating those things would probably be one of the best things you can do. Yeah. And like, if you, if you feel like there is an underlying issue, like when it comes to like your hormonal balance, um, I would totally highly recommend you getting, um, your levels checked if that's something, Mm -hmm. but I feel like you need to be supported in that decision. And I feel like a lot of lab work and any type of medical, uh, decision needs to be talked about with your partner for a few reasons so that they can support you and that like you can get on the same page about like what you're going through. Um, Absolutely. So if that's one of the things, then you can look into that. But yeah, even if you're not nursing, uh, which I only personally have experience with nursing postpartum, but even if you're not nursing, I'm sure that there are a ton of different hormones that are still out of whack, like cortisol. And if you're not sleeping well, then that's something that really lacks and your thyroid and all of your sexy stuff cannot function without getting all of your stress hormones under control. Um, but yeah, so if that's something, if you're thinking like physically or even pelvic floor, you can go see a pelvic floor, uh, physical therapist. If you feel like it's a painful thing that you're talking about, um, then yeah, that's also an option. But uh, I think that you did a good job of answering that because I, I I wouldn't say anything different. I totally agree with support, communication, and then yeah, physicality, I would go see someone about that. Uh, Yeah, if it's more physical, if it's, you know, your actual hormone levels, definitely see a naturopath, get those checked out. Yeah. Um, This next one, I don't really even know. I don't know. So this next question says, how did you keep your amazing figure? Um, so yeah, I don't know if that's about you or me. And I'm like, wait, what? Do you want to see me naked? Can I, can I send this person a picture? (laughs) So let's just say amazing figure is a quote in the eyes of the beholder. And I am still working on feeling good in my quote, amazing figure. But, um, when it comes to like being active, I walked a lot when I was pregnant and that's all Mm -hmm. that I did. I didn't do anything else. I honestly didn't even really do yoga because I got injured at the very beginning of my pregnancy. And I was just like, hell no, I'm going to get, I'm going to mess up my lower back again or something. And so I didn't really do yoga. 
I didn't really do anything besides walking. And then postpartum, I waited a long time and then I started walking and then I started doing yoga and then I started doing um, high intensity interval training, which is what I'm doing now. But um, I think that just being really on point with your nutrition is way, way more important than worrying about the way that you're looking postpartum, honestly. Absolutely. I would say that too. With my first daughter, because I had mentioned the traumatic birth and the eating, the binge eating, I wanted sweet things. I wanted sugary things. And with nursing, especially nursing makes me crave like sweet foods. I gained quite a lot of weight when I was nursing after my first daughter. And that's something I was very aware of because I'm a Virgo. So I was like, hmm, okay, I'm not looking exactly how I want to look and be presented to the world, even though I'm doing the best thing for me and my baby personally. And my second born, I took, I sort of approached it in a different view and in a different light. I just nourished my body with the best foods I could. And I walked a lot when I was pregnant and, um, I just took a lot of time to kind of check in with myself and to ask myself before food, like, am I really hungry or am I eating this out of a place of boredom or resentment or am I, you know, I'm had a tough day parenting. So I'm eating a half bar chocolate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And know. I would totally say, especially when they get older, <laughs> um, but you just learn to to just kind of like take it all with a grain of salt and know that eventually your body comes back around. And is it ever the same? No, it's not, but you, it's a new normal and you just sort of embrace it. And there's always time later to fixate on working out and getting super fit and, um, whatever you want. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I did with my first daughter. I said, I'm going to give my body a year to recover. I didn't work out at all for a year. I walked, we went for a lot of walks and we were more active in the summertime swimming and stuff like that. But I said, I'm going to give my body a year. It took basically a year to grow her. I need to give my body a year to recover before I start doing any kind of yoga or, you know, training or running or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm running. I ran a little bit today, actually. I was about to be like, hey, 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 running. I don't really want to feel the feeling of like my milk-filled breasts just running. That's that's what I don't want. No, I don't like it. Like I was running downhill. Just like picture this. Today, I was like, we're going to go on a family walk. And then Colin ditched us. Like, because I go around a couple times. He ditches us. And I'm like, oh, Phoenix, you're still fine. Let's go on another one. And I'm picture this on a kind of semi-busy road, not my road, but a couple roads over, uh, straight downhill and then straight uphill. And I'm like, (laughs) Phoenix starts getting fussy. I'm like, oh, you know what? I have a jogger stroller. I'm going to just take it on a jogger. And so I start, I take off down this hill. Okay. This stroller weighs like, I don't know, a million pounds. (laughs) And I don't have, there's like a strap that you can hold, but I don't have it. And so I'm like letting it, I'm like, my legs are kicking behind me. My boobs are like bouncing everywhere. My ass is going from left to right. I can, I have no, I'm like not supporting. I'm not using my core because I'm just flailing, trying not to fall on my face because this thing is, anyway. So then I run down the hill and then I try to run up the hill and you know what? Yeah, yeah, with the jogger. When yeah. you're doing the running that's slower than walking, you know you need to yes. stop. <laughs> yes. But I don't really, I usually work out from home. We were talking about this, and I know we're kind of coming up on like a really long time, so we should probably wrap it up. But we were just yeah. talking about working out from home, and it is something that I've 
always kind of done just because like gym memberships are never really been my vibe. Also, they've been kind of expensive. I've also paid for them. I still don't get there. You know, oh, yeah. it's like I'm just paying $20 a month for no reason. Yeah. Just, yeah. and just, just to feel like you're not doing it. it. Yeah. yeah, basically <laughs> just throwing it down. Be disappointed. Yeah. I, I don't love gym environment. I mean, I don't hate it. I just like, I don't feel super motivated. I, I actually, I feel like I am a pretty competitive person. And if I go to a class, I like feeling like I'm in motion with someone else, like a yoga sure. class. Like I'm like, yeah, dang, I'm modifying everything. Whoever's next mm-hmm. to me, if they're pushing me without knowing it, I kind of like it. I feel like I do, sure. I do more and I don't, I'm not saying everything's a competition. It's really not. But like, if I get to get to a class, if I'm next to somebody that's mm-hmm. killing it, I feel like I'm killing it. Cause then I'm like, oh my Absolutely. gosh, they're setting the tone for what I want to do right now. And then it's just yes. kind of, I do better. If, and then if I'm by no one, then I'm modifying way more and I'm just kind of like, relaxing which is also a way to do it but um yeah working out from home like I don't know I do it sometimes maximum of like 30 to 40 minutes but I would say that nutrition uh is super important postpartum movement Mm -hmm. like you said taking a year off don't feel guilty if you're not working out like take a year off take however much time that you want off because one you're lugging a baby around like all day every day that's work a lot yeah it really is and like um, especially if you're, you're nursing, it's not even about the weight that you're carrying. Um, food protects supply. It's not necessarily yeah. the, the weight that you have on your body. Like me, like I am, I'm naturally like a larger being. And, um, for me to lose weight and maintain supply has been very difficult if I'm trying to do so intentionally. Um, and so for me, I've just kind of had to be like, you know what, I'm just going to eat and I'm just going to keep eating and I'm not gonna mm-hmm. intentionally try to lose the weight because I don't really feel like yeah it's worth it if that makes sense so no. a, lot of, a lot of people are like oh yeah my breastfeeding just burn all the calories off of me and like for me that's just not the case it's that's just- not the case for me I always hold on to f- at least five to ten extra pounds while I'm nursing and then once baby starts eating a lot more salads. That's when my body turns it around and is like, Oh, okay. Time to burn. We're good. You yeah. know, we've, we've supplied this little person. We've grown this little person. It's okay. And that's hormones guys. Like that's, everybody's different. And some people like the hormones tell their body to hold on to weight. To hold on to yeah, it. They want to be able to say that, that is more normal yeah. than the latter than the one that I had heard. Like, Oh, nursing, it just burns right up. No, for me, it doesn't. I for hold me, on to weight. <laughs> Yes. So my body gets to a certain point and it's just like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm stowing some away for a rainy yeah, day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, just ride with it y'all. I mean, especially if, uh, you know, it's a short time. It's a short time. Having been through it twice. It's a very short time. Oh yeah. Well, uh, anyway, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yes, and I know we just kind of chatted, but, um, yeah, I thought that I, I just love your story and I love your insight and your input and, uh, you guys should definitely follow along with her. She's always got a lot of really good, just insight on what's on her. I feel like you just speak really, really inclusively on the things that you believe. And I feel like you offer a space where people can ask questions for, and I hate being like for alternative parenting, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's not, um, your approach is not what we've grown up really seeing that much of it's at least not me and um i've i definitely relate more to you than i would to um just like mainstream parenting so um 
I'm learning. I feel like you've taught me a lot. And yeah, she always replies to messages and is You're always amazing. super sweet. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like you've helped me through a lot of stuff, especially with she you gave me you gave me the the voice of like do not stress whenever I was going through my uh, oh your milk production my milk stuff yeah. and yeah. around eight to ten weeks I I was Phoenix's weight wasn't really he was still gaining but it was kind of slow and it was like, slower I was yeah. freaking out and my doctor wanted me to supplement twelve ounces a day and I ended up not doing that and his weight mm-hmm. caught up and I she was it's just babies don't grow linearly and. And Phoenix was a smaller baby at first anyway, and you didn't even have the same experience. You had a, like a, like a pretty larger baby. I don't no, want to say both larger of my girls baby. Were, both of my girls were nine and 10 pounds at birth. Okay. So I have had larger babies yes. who have gained, gained, gained. Yes. But I know that that's not for everybody. And like you said, it's not a linear thing. Growing is not linear in it's any not. way, shape or form, whether it's physical, emotional or mental, you know? I love it. So... But yeah, you were there to support me, and I I really 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 appreciated that. And uh, absolutely, I feel like if I could go back, I would be more gentle on myself. But um, I now I know, and I'm still breastfeeding, and I I love it, and it's special to me. And I didn't think I would ever even care about it. And no, uh, it's such a special experience. It really is. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to add to anybody? Um. No, honestly, no, I do. I do answer questions. So if you do have questions, feel free to message me. Um, they're more than welcome. So, um, so do you have any resources that you would recommend to new moms or pregnant moms or just people that are, um, trying to look to take on, um, a healthy life or whatever you have found beneficial for you? Wow. Like books Um, or websites or anything? You know what? It all kind of goes out the window. You do, um, I say you do what's instinctive and whether that's something that you have to learn by reading those books or talking to those people, then that's great. But ultimately speaking from just a place of, you know, having gone through it and parenting two little babies, um, you do what's instinctive to you at the end of the day. And I think that that's the most beautiful thing that you can do is to listen to that. And if you have grown up, thank God I grew up with very healthy parents, I would say, who really raised me and just taught me to be in tune with myself and to listen to myself and to question everything. And, um, yeah, I would say that at the, really when it all comes down to it, listen to that sort of inner voice and, there is one thing I can say to, to follow though. If they, um, there's an Instagram account and you don't have to put this on there, but you could maybe do a shout out to it. It's the, um, it's like a conscious parenting, um, Instagram account, gentle parenting, gentle parenting memes. That's what it's called. It's incredible. (laughs) I know it sounds weird, but it's, it's a gentle parenting meme. And so anything that any research and Anybody can get their hands on that's more of a gentle parenting style. That's kind of what I lean toward. Okay. I'm going to follow that. Okay. Yeah. It's gentle parenting underscore memes. And I will, underscore link, memes. And I yes. will link it in the show notes. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs>